I don't feel like this is doing anything or, you know, it's just, it's such a different stimulation, even though that's what they need to be doing. But I think if people are willing to like stick with it, they're happy with the results, but it's just kind of getting out of that mindset of like fast moving and burning and sweating isn't necessarily what's doing it for you. And I always got to kind of remind people like, Hey, remember you came to me for a reason. Yeah. What you were doing wasn't working for some reason. Just try to stick with it and you'll probably be really happy with your results if you stick with it and give it time. <laughs> time. <laughs> time. Absolutely. Yeah, time. <laughs> Darn, no quick fix. Like I'm not going to get jacked <laughs> after a few lunge to curls. That's right, like my right. wish. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks. Two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Happy to have you with us. We are super excited for this conversation today because we have... Kelly Mack with us on the line. Kelly, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story, how you got into this. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super pumped to be here. I love your guys' podcast, by the way. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. I grew up in the Midwest, you know, always pretty active as a kid, playing all kinds of sports, went away to college and obviously started doing the college thing keg stands, keg parties, dorm food. So needless to say, it was kind of the first time I was aware that I had, you know, gained the freshman 15 and probably just wasn't really that active, you know, just kind of partying and having fun and doing what you do when you're 19, 20. So when I came home for Christmas, I remember my mom like kind of making a comment like, mm-hmm. ah, like maybe you should start exercising. <laughs> so anyways, like I, you know, I kind of took that into consideration and I got a little bit more active when I got back, you know, started doing some stuff around campus, rollerblading. Um, but I joined the rugby team and that was kind of my first like introduction to weightlifting. I had, there was a girl on the team and I always talk about her cause she was kind of my, my original inspiration. She was super shredded, right? Jacked training for a bodybuilding show, you know, so she looked the part. So she started taking us to like the rec center to like lift weights. And I loved it. And it was super fun and like was getting really into it. And then we were playing rugby. So really active. But I was like, why am I not looking like her? You know, of course, didn't know what she was doing at the (laughs) time, which was not drinking keg beer and doing keg stands. And she was, you know, training really hard and obviously in a major deficit training for a show. Um, so anyways, carried on that lifestyle for my early 20s. And I moved to um, Key West, you know, a tiny island in Florida, pretty much closer to Cuba than Miami. I was down there for 21 years. But anyhow, when I got down there, I kind of like continued that lifestyle of like, you know, I was active, but I was still kind of partying, not not thinking about nutrition really at all. So after I was down there for about maybe 10, 12 years, I, I got in a long distance relationship and I, I decided to move for this relationship. So I moved to the mainland of Florida, which was about five hours north of Key West. The relationship did not work out. Turns out it was more fun when it was just Mm. visiting. (laughs) So, so yeah, so it didn't work out. So I was up there and I was committed to a job that I had work another paddleboard. I was a paddleboard guide in Key West. So I had kind of got with a sister company up there. So I was helping these guys with their paddleboard tours. Yeah. So I committed to like staying with them through the holidays because obviously Florida is really busy through the holidays and a lot of people come down. 
So I was kind of like stuck in this area going through this breakup. I was alone. I didn't have, I didn't know very many people. So that's when I kind of like, I I always call it like my turning point is because I I bought my first meal plan. I was like, okay, so I love lifting. I love going to the gym. I was like training a bunch, you know, who knows what I was doing. Probably just like kind of like bro split, you know, bodybuilding style. Like one day I'd go in and do Mm -hmm. biceps, Mm -hmm. you know, old mentality like that. So I bought this meal plan. It was called like the fighter diet. (laughs) And it was right when Instagram was kind of becoming like popular. So I bought this meal plan and it was like laid out for you how many grams of broccoli you're going to eat. And, you know, like whoever you were, like you were eating 1800 calories, whether you were six feet tall, five feet tall, like, you know, it was just like a general (laughs) meal plan. I was like, cool. So I followed it. I wasn't like, you know, going out. I had like really no social life because I didn't really know anybody. So it was like perfect time to like kind of dive into this meal plan and study this nutrition. And I bought all the workouts that went along with it. And I did the whole thing and I got great results, you know, obviously because I was probably just dialed in with my nutrition Mm -hmm. a little bit. That was kind of like the missing piece. Needless to say, after the holidays, I was moving back to the island. And in this time, I also got personal trainer certified, but I wasn't working with anybody yet. So I had, I remember I was coming back to Key West, you know, like back to my home and I took my first like selfie. I was like, who wants to train with me? And I like flexed and everyone's like, <laughs> oh my God, like, what did you do? Like, what, <laughs> What's your secret? <laughs> anyway, so I went back to Key West and I, you know, I started like slowly training some friends at like a little studio and still working my paddleboard job. But I sort of fell back into like my lifestyle of like being super social, going out, you know, doing again what you do in your late twenties. But so my, the, all the gains, you know, I had made while I was just, you know, focused on the nutrition and the strength, like we're kind of slipping away. And I was like, what, what can I do? I, I want to like have this balance where I want to have a social life, but I also like, I love training and I love, you know, how I felt when I was, you know, dialed in on the nutrition and just being so clear headed and sober. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to quit drinking for a little while and just kind of like clean out and kind of get back to like, where I was when I got back here. So I quit for a month and right away, like I saw great progress. Like it just felt better. I was clear. I was like, you know, kind of leaning down again. So then I was like, I'm going to go six months, you know? So then here comes six months. My business started flourishing, you know, things were just like falling into place. And then I'm like a year. And then here I am, you know, seven years later. So just kind of got more (laughs) and more into it. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) And I'm not like, you know, preaching about being sober or anything, but it's just what worked for me and my life and like fitness is my 100% passion and, you know, nutrition and to dial that part in, it just goes hand in hand, you know, so I wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah, a lot of certifications, a lot of, you know, seminars and conferences I've gone to and I'm in with N1 Education now, I've gone to their practical, I'm doing their mentorship. So just kind of diving in deeper in the education. Yeah. So it's been really, really awesome. I'm actually going back this summer. Nice. So excited. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit about my story. (laughs) Cool. There's two things that stuck out to me. One is the alcohol, um, obviously, because neither of us drink. I'm dry, broke, sober. And we talk about it only because I really don't think a lot of people understand how that impacts everything. And like you said a few times, how clear you felt when you stopped drinking. Yes. And that's a huge thing that I've noticed as well, personally. And just everything does kind of work better because everything. <laughs> when you cut out the alcohol, <laughs> your body's it yeah. just it functions better. It functions better. You're hydrated. <laughs> your, yeah. your training is better. Your eating is better. I mean, 
relationships are better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes going to the gym with a hangover. But yeah, I, no. <laughs> I did that once and never again. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah, it's no fun. <laughs> and then the other thing that jumped out to me was the girl you mentioned who was your inspiration. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because I've been thinking about this a lot because there's also one girl who is like my major inspiration, Meg Squats. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was the one that kind of got the wheel turning in my head about like, okay, this is actually what weightlifting can do for me. This is like, she looks great. I want to look yeah. like that. And it was a comparison thing. And then it turned into inspiration. So did you get stuck in the comparison trap with that girl or was it just? No, I don't think I, I think I was too young to even think about that. It was more like, how can I get there? Why, why she's taking Mm. me to the gym. Why isn't this working? You know, why don't, why am I not kind of like looking like her? I don't think it was necessarily comparison. It was more like role model, Ah, like idol. (laughs) And I actually, it's funny because I messaged her. I still in touch with her on Facebook. I'm like, you're always in my story and she's still doing fitness stuff. And I'm like, you're always like my first person that I talk about in any story I tell. And she's like, Oh my God, that's so (laughs) awesome. This is like 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So no, I wouldn't say necessarily comparison. I've been through comparison, but I probably when I started, no, it was just more like fascination with like muscles. Like, oh wow, how can I get that? Uh, yeah. You know, it's definitely aesthetics was like how I started, which I think a lot of people do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what gets the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Is like, how yeah. can I look like that? For sure. And then not realizing all the other good stuff that comes along with, you know, lifting and training and the confidence and the self-esteem and just feeling great and powerful and all the good stuff. Yeah. All that good stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the perfect segue, I think, into really breaking down what makes a good hypertrophy move, because Mm -hmm. we all know this word, you know, someone says they want to look toned. They want to look lean and toned. Mm-hmm. What they're really saying is they want muscle and they want that muscle to be visible. Yes. So when we get into the nitty gritty of the exercise, there are some specifics that need to be in place to make it a good hypertrophy movement. Just because you're using weights does not mean it's a good hypertrophy movement. So no. let's talk about it. What makes a good hypertrophy movement? I mean, I think one thing that people oversee is you need to know the muscle you're targeting, Mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, and you want that muscle to be the limiting factor. So you want that muscle, whatever you're trying to target to be the thing that gives out would be one thing. So knowing what you're, what you're training. So if you want to train your quads per se, like maybe doing a hack squat rather than a barbell squat, because you might be able to target specifically your quads a little bit more, you know, because then you got uh, your compound exercise, like a like a back squat where you're going to recruit all this other stuff. So maybe like, you know, specifically figuring out what you want to target and finding a machine or an exercise that does that is one thing I would say. Mm -hmm. The main muscle is the thing we want to be the limiting factor, not all the helper muscles, for example. Exactly. The helpers. Yes. The assisters. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, yeah. And like using for an RDL, maybe a dumbbell RDL, like using straps. So it's not your grip that's giving out. It's your hamstrings or your glutes, whatever you're targeting. Specific. It's, I think it's a little more specific training. Mm-hmm. 
I'm glad you mentioned straps because I get that question every once in a while. Like, is it okay to use straps? Absolutely. <laughs> it's not cheating. And yeah, it's no, not, not like it takes all the work out of your grip either. It's just helping so that your grip doesn't give out before the other stuff. Exactly. Because that's always the limiting factor. Like if you want to do some heavy RDLs, like, and you're grabbing 80, 90 pound dumbbells, like your grip's going to probably go first. So mm-hmm. strap it up. <laughs> <laughs> What about rep ranges, Kelly? Because I think that's something that a lot of people, they don't always hit the nail on the head. You're not going to get a lot of hypertrophy work out of doing a five by five. No, that's way way more strength. I mean, I think with hypertrophy, generally, I would say, you know, six, six reps to 15 is kind of, kind of a range that you could shoot for. But I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that go into that. And with strength, the lower end three to five compound moves, you know, barbells, squats, deadlifts, rows, things like that, you know, maybe less reps because you're trying to, you know, increase your force, your strength, you know, to do a compound move, chances are most likely you're going after getting stronger at that move, not necessarily growing muscle. You want to build strength, not muscle. So rep ranges that would be a little bit higher for hypertrophy. Yeah. The way I love to look at compound versus hypertrophy is like when you're doing a strength program and you're back squatting, barbell bench pressing, anything with a barbell that's considered a compound movement, you're training a movement pattern. You're not necessarily training specific muscle groups. With hypertrophy, we're looking at isolating muscles and training those groups specifically to break down and grow, hence the reason why we need more volume. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're growing tissue. Exactly. We're breaking it down to build it back up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think they both complement each other. You can still get strength in hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. I just feel like hypertrophy is kind of the best of everything, you know, the best of all worlds because you can get strength. You can get, you know, grow muscle tissue. You you can even go like more metabolic and a little more systemic training. So, and get more endurance. Like, so you can kind of do a lot of different things in hypertrophy training. There's a lot of you know, different ends of the spectrum, you got strength, you know, right in the middle is hypertrophy, and then you got metabolic. So you can kind of blend. I love that. That's just such a great way to, to really like lay it out and look at it is, you know, hypertrophy, it's going to require a lot more endurance than strength will. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. But it's good to do a little of everything. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, you shouldn't just train one way, you know, do a little bit of everything just to adapt your different systems, you know, like I've gone through where I'm doing like straight sets of hypertrophy. And then my next block might be like systemic where I'm moving a lot quicker. Um, Next block might be a little bit more towards like hypertrophy strength. So it's like a little bit of less reps, more like six to eight, you know, and then I might go back to like a systemic where it's like 30 second rest, you know, quick moving. So it's really good to like periodize that so you can train all the different systems and it just makes you stronger overall in general. Mm-hmm. I like the way you laid that out because there's an offering there where you don't have to just do the same thing forever and just be bored out of your mind, which I think is what yes. people think a lot of times when it comes to. Yeah. And I mean, there is some truth to the saying that like true strength, true muscle is built by doing variations of the same things until the end of time. Yeah. That is true. But you can switch it up for various right. goals and to keep it interesting, to keep it exciting. So you're not 
bored out of your brain. Right. I mean, you can do as much as changing your tempo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that'll that change everything. <laughs> <laughs> that are different variables, you know, like if I'm in a, like a muscle building hypertrophy phase, like mm-hmm. you put me on like barbell 21s for a bicep curl and I am <laughs> like my biceps are fried. I'm like, oh, oh, joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I've kind of gotten out of strength lately and it'll be interesting to go back to that I, that used to be one of my big goals when especially when I was like in the surplus a couple years ago I was like just chasing this you know particular number of a deadlift for that was what I was after for so long and once I got that I was like okay I'm good mm-hmm. I'm, I was like ready to kind of switch over into back to like more bodybuilding style rather than strength so I think it's just good to have depending on your goals that's really what what it's you know, it depends on what kind of training you want to do. I mean, strength is great. Hypertrophy is great. I mean, they're all great. Metabolic's great. Throw in some systemic and work, you know, you're more like a cardio-ish because that's important too. (laughs) So all of it is kind of rotating, I think is key. Yeah. And even cardio plays a role in hypertrophy too, because if your cardio is like, if your heart's pumping and you're sweating and panting and you can't finish the set, Yes. that's a sign that you need to maybe add a little bit more cardio work to build that up so you can complete a quality set of a movement. Yes, absolutely. Except walking lunges. Walking lunges are always <laughs> cardio no matter what. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I agree. So what else makes a quality hypertrophy exercise? I think also like kind of moving the muscle through its primary function, really. Mm-hmm. Think about... Glutes, primary function is hip extension, right? So doing squats and lunges and pressing and that kind of thing. So actually doing what it's meant to do, you know, loading it, the tissue that it's how it's meant to move. I think people get into doing like all these abduction and adduction. They think they're working their glutes and, you know, they're not necessarily. It's, you know, going off like sensation and the burn and all that stuff. So you know, moving those muscles through what they're intended to do, I think is huge for hypertrophy. Yeah. I see a lot of that with mid-delt. People do Mm -hmm. a lot of things thinking they're hitting their mid-delt. But when you look at the movement, they're not actually lining it up properly and using that muscle, like it's either traps or front delt or Mm -hmm. even biceps, some of the stuff I've seen people do. So yeah, that's a really good point. What is the primary function of the muscle? Like bicep to curl the arm up, quads to extend the knee, yes, glutes to extend the hip. Exactly. If a move is lining that up really well, yeah. Yeah. Then you're targeting the right tissues and yeah, that's where the magic's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everybody likes to overcomplicate these yeah. things and do all this fancy stuff and you look at like Instagram and you see these people doing these crazy workouts with the bands and, you know, and they're actually not even training their glutes and they're doing all these like things with banded knees and, but they look the part, right? So people buy into this, but that's not how they got those glutes or, you know, those legs necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> They could yeah. be genetically gifted. Don't get me wrong, but that's probably not how they got their glutes. For sure. And I think that that's a really good segue into like, exercises that are that's going to build muscle it needs to challenge your body yeah so if you're doing a a forward lunge 
to a bicep curl, that's not going to yield the results that you want. And the reason (laughs) behind that is because your legs can tolerate much more load than your biceps can. Mm -hmm. So going into things like combination moves and whatnot, when I see that happening and people want to get quote unquote toned, it's kind of like we're doing things ass backwards. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One thing that I would love to touch on a little bit is why combo moves aren't necessarily the best Mm -hmm. (laughs) go-tos. They look interesting. They look exciting and creative. You you save time, right? Right. In air quotes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But really, it's kind of like you're taking the long road because you're not, you might be saving time that day, but you're going to end up spinning your wheels for many, many years if you continue doing a lunge to a curl as your Mm -hmm. workout. You know, you're just not getting enough effective resistance, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The weight is not matched properly. Like maybe it's great for the curl, but for those big lower body muscles, that is not, right. it's not enough. I see that with like an RDL to a curl to a press all the time. Like right. maybe, maybe the curl and the press are a little similar. Yeah, maybe. RDLs, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, and like... Yeah, lunge to curl. There's a squat. I've seen like a squat to a curl. I think we talked about this before. It was the RDL to the lateral raise, which yeah. is oh. such, a, such a mismatch. Oh, no. Yeah, it really is. Because if you're RDLing like a five-pound dumbbell, <laughs> you're, you're not doing a whole lot. No, mm-hmm. not at all. It's just doing two things at once. It's just pretty overrated. You know, you, you'd just be better off supersetting and challenging yourself just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Agree. You know? Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, anything in life, you try to do too many things at once, something's going to suffer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> kind of like a life lesson. Super mega ADHD mode, trying to get 1500 things done at one time, like balls are going to be dropped. And that's the same yeah. here, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's always interesting to see and this is not a bash on any like box gym coaches, but I noticed that a lot, you know, they'll have people doing a lunge to a curl and it's like that person can have, you know, different, different size dumbbells there for that lunge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it makes them feel the burn and sweat and pant. And I think that's the, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that people are going for. And I get it because like we've been told for so long, that's what we had. That's what we got to do. And those moves do that, but those moves don't give you the body that you want. No, not at all. And sweating and the muscles, quote unquote, burning are not indicative of an an effective workout. Mm -mm. Yeah, no. For hypertrophy, a little bit more, yes. You know, if we're doing like isolation movements and things like that, absolutely. But, you know, if you're doing a, a walking lunge to a curl and you're panting and you're sweating, just because that's happening doesn't mean that that workout is going to necessarily yield the results that you want. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Sweat is not fat crying. Oh, <laughs> you know, gosh, yeah. no, no, I hate that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Or I'm not, well, okay, this one's kind of cute. Like, I'm not sweating, I'm sparkling. I'm like, (laughs) I'm just like, get your glitter on, girl. I don't, you know, I'll stay in my lane. (laughs) Yeah. I think another thing that makes a good hypertrophy movement or assists in a movement being good for hypertrophy is creating stability for the movement. Mm -hmm. Um, We've all seen the BOSU ball things, the Swiss ball stability ball things. 
And that goes back to what we were saying a second ago. Like you try to do too many things at once, everything kind of suffers. So give us some examples of that, like creating stability for a muscle to actually be worked properly. Holding on to something. If you're doing some kind of a row on a cable, um, having your chest supported is another really big one with maybe like if you're doing a dumbbell row, having your chest supported, that way you can really target the part of the back that you you want to work, the part of the lats you're trying to work. Talked about, you know, using straps is also big. And obviously not standing on a BOSU ball trying to squat, you know, just keeping a really stable, stable environment to be on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or like single leg Romanian deadlifts, you know, having like a wall to put your other hand on or holding on to like a squat rack to really help with that stability aspect. Because if you're unstable, your body's going to work on stabilizing before it's going to work on building muscle. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for all of it. But yeah, hypertrophy, for sure. Having the most stable environment will help you have like the most output. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the BOSU, I see this all the time where people will be on a BOSU and they'll be doing like a BOSU squat to like a bicep curl. And every time I see it, I'm like, get the fuck off of that thing. And like, (laughs) yeah, there have been lawsuits about that. We know someone who was an expert witness in a lawsuit about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just unbelievable. But I mean, and that's no shade to anybody that uses a BOSU. Like it has, again, a time and place. You know, like it can very much be like a progression to like a plank progression. It can very much like going from a BOSU plank to like a Swiss ball plank can be really effective in like intrinsic core stabilization. But for the most part, like we don't want to be hopping on BOSUs when we're trying to do things like hypertrophy where we need a stable base. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Using a BOSU or um, a stability ball for like maybe some core work, like maybe some ab stuff for hypertrophy would be okay. But other than that, ditch the BOSU <laughs> or the ball. <laughs> One of the biggies when we're we're trying to distinguish between like, is this just like super trendy trying to be creative or is this effective for what I want is safety. Mm-hmm. And there's always some kind of risk reward ratio going on in like literally everything in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when it comes to exercise, like the stability ball thing, you can't safely load any movement on a ball like that because it could pop, you could slip, you could roll off, you could drop the weight. And let me tell you, if you're laying on your back on a stability ball and it pops, those weights are coming right down on your face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing like a chest press. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Seeing people (laughs) doing chest presses on stability balls, I'm just like, oh, please. I know. Why? Why? I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He was he was asking me about like some stuff that he might get for his home gym. And he was like, so like in high school, that was how we were taught to do it. You always do a, a chest press on the stability ball. And I'm like, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. Uh, don't do that. Get a bench or use no. the floor. It's the same theme, like trying to do too many things at one time, creating an unstable situation for yourself. Yeah. Focus on one thing, right? I read that book. It's called The One Thing. And it's literally a book about just focusing on one thing is 
you know, a faster way to get you to where you are rather than trying to do a million things at once because you end up spinning your wheels. Oh, gosh, that's That's so so true. true. It's so true. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall, like throwing spaghetti (laughs) at the wall and seeing what'll stick. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we see people do this all the time with nutrition, right? Okay, let's let's get into a calorie deficit. Let's also intermittent fast and get rid of all carbs and put all junk food <laughs> off limits and only eat between noon and four. It's like, okay, chill. <laughs> too much. Yeah, and just like people with training too, you know, trying to train that same way, trying to build strength, build muscle, but run a marathon, but train for a triathlon, like just kind of picking one thing mm-hmm. to focus on. And you can do everything and just focusing on one at a time will get you to where you want to be a lot faster. Yeah, I love that. And I'm totally going to snag that because (laughs) when you focus on like one thing at a time, you're going to get good at one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have all of your eggs in a bunch of different baskets and you're going to be able to really like give you all of your effort to that one thing. And then once you accomplish that, you can set a new goal. You can try to accomplish something else. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And it's fun to do that. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Like yeah. you had mentioned earlier, like you did like a strength block where you wanted to hit that certain number on your deadlift and you focus on that and you work up to that. And then you had mentioned like, as soon as you hit that, you were going to go back into hypertrophy. Like Mm -hmm. your goal doesn't have to be the same all the time. Like it is okay to have multiple goals, but set up a strategic plan to reach them one at a time. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I just think people in general just don't have any idea and they obviously want to follow whatever their favorite person's doing on the gram. And that's kind of the problem here. They don't necessarily know what works. And that's why they see somebody doing something, they want to look like them, and that's what they're going to do. So a lot of times too, when people get a program that it's like a hypertrophy program, and they're used to doing like sweaty, fast moving, whatever they banded stuff and, you know, feeling the burn. And then they do something like hypertrophy, they're kind of like, I don't feel like this is doing anything or, you know, it's just, it's such a different stimulation, even though that's what they need to be doing. But I think if people are willing to like stick with it, they're happy with the results, but it's just kind of getting out of that mindset of like fast moving and burning and sweating isn't necessarily what's doing it for you. And always got to kind of remind people like, Hey, remember you came to me for a reason. Yeah. What you were doing wasn't working for some reason. And one thing I always tell clients is like, keep an open mind. Like, that's like one thing I ask, like, before we even start working together, like, will you try to keep an open mind about doing new stuff? Because remember, like these CrossFit workouts, and you were getting so burnt out, and you you came to me for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because something wasn't working, you weren't recovering, you were getting injured, you were burnt out. But you might not feel the same doing these, say, like hypertrophy workouts that you did in CrossFit or hit classes or whatever it was. But you know, remember you came for a reason. So let's just try to like trust the process, you know, cliche as that is, but like true, just try to stick with it. And you'll probably be really happy with your results. If you stick with it and give it time. (laughs) Time. (laughs) Time. Yeah, time. (laughs) Darn, no quick fix. Like I'm not going to (laughs) get jacked after a few lunge to curls. That's my wish. Like I'm not feeling the burn. You know, and then I think people just don't go heavy enough. Oh, 
Yes. You know, and that's another problem because they're used to these fast workouts and, you know, I'm seeing videos and they're grabbing like 10 pound dumbbells, you know, and clearly they can be doing more on a chest press, like specific people that I know can do more. And it's like, got to step it up just a little bit. So kind of, again, just getting out of that mindset of fast moving, high rep, sweating, burning, you know, like let's, let's, let's lift some weight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it baffles me to be honest, when I get like a new mom uh-huh. and they'll go to grab like 10 pound dumbbells to curl. I'm like, bitch, I know that you can, <laughs> I know that you can carry a 25 pound kid on one arm and like 20 pounds yeah. of groceries in the other. Uh-huh. Like, let's, <laughs> let's go. We are, we are moving up to 15 minimum. You are already doing this. <laughs> yeah. But then I think people fall into that mindset of like, I don't want to get bulky. I'm like, I'm still trying to get bulky. <laughs> right? If you only knew how hard this was, you wouldn't say that. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, I like think education. People just, you know, believing that old school stuff and it's still out there. And that's why we're here. Yeah, exactly. 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 And I think that's the important part, too, of like having a coach, you know, if if someone can afford a coach, you know, like if you can afford a coach, it's so important to just learn the correct way the first time. Yes. Mm. I think it can benefit everybody to, you know, at least follow guidance for a temporary amount of time and just learn what you need to learn dependent on your goals. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or even just like the gym you go to ask somebody who works there to walk you through the gym a couple times and say like ask them questions like hey how does this line up this muscle what muscle is this doing mm-hmm. and ask ask questions that is yeah speaking to what brooke said about you know hiring a coach one of the best signs of a good coach is that they ask you a lot of questions and you ask them a lot of questions and they're okay yep. with it yeah if they get pissy with you for asking questions question that. <laughs> yeah. But like I'm I've hired coaches and I ask a million questions like why is this program this way? Why is this mm-hmm. here? Like why am I doing this instead of this? And right. it's just little bits of information that I can, you know, I'll know that forever now. Mm-hmm. It's investment in yourself. If you can afford it, I think it's it can be very very good. Yes. I love when people ask a ton of questions. Mm -hmm. I love talking about it. Yeah. It's like, let me tell you why we're doing this. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, because I look at it as if one of my clients is asking me a lot of questions, that means that they want to understand why they're doing it. That way they know what to do on their own. They're not reliant or dependent because I always tell people like, I love all of my clients dearly, but I don't want to work with you forever because if I'm working with you forever, you're not learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you got to give them the tools and it's up to them to execute and then figure it out after that. Like they have the tools. Yep. So they can spread their wings and fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I love having a coach. I think it's just so beneficial. I mean, mm-hmm. I love having someone to spring questions off of and just understand like why, 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 you know? Yeah. I like to say it's true trust the process. Yes. Be patient, do the things, trust the process, but also understand it enough to know why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. Like, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're having fun and you're not injuring yourself, go for it. But when you say you want something specific, 
okay, now we got to dial it in. You want to mm-hmm. grow your delts? Okay, little arm flappy movements with two pound dumbbells aren't going to cut it. You know, <laughs> you have to really get specific if you have specific goals. Yes. So trust the process and understand it enough not to, you know, stress about every nuance of every little thing, but knowing enough. Mm-hmm. A coach can help with that. You know, there's some really good accounts. There are good accounts on Instagram and TikTok, believe it or yeah. not. <laughs> Yes, there is. <laughs> it's just weeding a little bit through the BS to find them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've been thinking about the people who look the part in air quotes doing the trendy exercises and what you said about like, that's not how they got to look that way. Mm-hmm. And I agree. There is a piece of maybe they just have the genetics to look bomb. <laughs> you know, maybe they just lost maybe. the weight once right. and then. Yeah. But Something I don't think people understand is that, you know, once you build a body, it's a lot easier to maintain it. There's still effort, of course, but it's easier. Yeah. And what people don't understand is that a lot of the people doing these banded everything, super lightweight, they were professionals, a lot of them. One of them in particular I'm thinking of. (laughs) she does a lot of like weightless movements and not even calisthenics, just like just Mm -hmm. kind of moving your arms around and flapping and curling without weights. (laughs) She used to be a bikini competitor. She built her body with heavy weights doing the Mm -hmm. things. And now she's maintaining it by doing what she's doing. And that's great. But she's spreading a lot of misinformation about this. And I know one person who follows her and like maybe the mindset stuff this person says is, helping you know i haven't followed up super much with it but i know from the biomechanics part of it it's not lining up yeah and i know this one person who follows her the way she talks about herself she calls herself like a hard gainer like her body just doesn't put Mm -hmm. on muscle but then she's doing all these movements that this person is putting out which of course you're not putting on muscle (laughs) all you're doing is tensing the muscle you have you're not challenging it at all in the slightest. So that was just a little bit of a tangent about (laughs) maybe a little rant about (laughs) Instagram influencers who. Yeah. I mean, it's people believe that that's Mm -hmm. the problem with like, like the mom that comes in and grabs the five or 10 pounds and they see that kind of stuff and that's what they think they need to be doing. What, what they haven't seen is yeah, the heavy RDLs and the heavy, you know, rows and all the heavy stuff that, this person has done for probably many, many, many years (laughs) to get where they are. And then they're just dancing around with a band, you know, around their ankles or their knees and saying, this is what you do to get these glutes and it's total marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunately so many people believe that and then they don't want to get bulky, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard to get bulky. And that's, I don't think a lot of people understand like, if you think going through a calorie deficit takes forever, try putting on muscle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I know. Try going through a gain phase like se- several times. I mean, yeah. it's not a one and done. <laughs> I was literally just going to say it's not a one and done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of a lifelong in- endeavor, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Talk about that for a minute, the gaining. When was the... F- first time you went into a surplus to put on weight? It was 2020. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, towards the end. Oh, yeah, we got married. Yeah, I guess at the end of 2020, Christmas Eve. So it was right after that. Yeah. So I guess 2021, right at the beginning of the year. 
it was tough. I will say that. Um, I, I think I total put on 12 pounds. How long? Seven, eight months. Okay. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really chasing, chasing the deadlift. So that's what I, you know, was focused on. I was, it was tough for me though, mentally um, working in the gym all day and like just not feeling great. You know, mm. I mean, you've, you've done a surplus. And so that was my major one. I've done like small ones since, but that was the big one. And yeah, I'd say mentally it was a lot harder for me than being in a deficit, just mm-hmm. the gaining part. But then I, you know, dieted down. I did a cut for the, a photo shoot that I did last year. So that was kind of my big goal. And I did it once and it was great. And the cut was really, really hard for the photo shoot. And I have a lot of respect for competitors. So I was like, and I know they they take it even farther. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was just done. That was tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know how to be in a deficit, you know, and like that was like kind of next level. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done one show. One show? I've done one show. I was a bikini competitor. Ah. And oh my gosh. Like when you talk about dialing in your nutrition, like yeah. a whole different level. It's, it's a whole different level. That's why like when people say like, well, I want to, I want abs. It's like, no, you don't. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just not worth it. <laughs> right? No, it's great to have goals. But yeah, at the same time, life is so short and it's hard to not enjoy certain things that training for something like that, you just can't for an extended period of time. And oh, yeah. I mean, that's obviously up to you. But for me, I don't think I'd want to go back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you ever do another show? No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that? That was in 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2018. And I placed, which is great. I placed in two categories. But the hard part that a lot of people don't tell you is like, sure, it's cool waking up in the morning and seeing abs, but you're also like feeling a grumbling stomach. Like you're hungry, you're tired, you don't want, you know, movement is just flat out difficult at that point. Yeah, true. And the mental side of it too. Like there's a lot of, you know, there's so much mindset that goes into it. And then after the show, it's almost like you have to relearn how to eat again. You know, you have yeah. to reverse yeah. out of it. It's just a process that I I personally don't think I could do it again because it was yeah. one of those bucket list items. Sure. But much respect to the people that do it. Yeah, regularly. Or pros, you know, like more power to them. I absolutely love that for them. I do not love that journey for me. <laughs> yeah, agree. It's an extreme sport. And I know we've mentioned this before. People don't understand how extreme it is and the toll it takes on your body because people see those pictures and they're like holy shit I want to look like that right do you though right do you want to put your body through that (laughs) yeah it's kind of along the same lines of like believing you know what you see on Instagram but do you understand really what it costs to get to that body Mm -hmm. yeah I don't think people quite get it (laughs) no and most of those people that look that way, you know, don't have kids. They don't have, you know, their job is to be in the gym. Like a lot of people don't realize that's a good point. Those competitors, they're competing sometimes for a living. And Mm -hmm. so it is their entire life. And if you're a mom with three kids and a family and a job, it's next to impossible to try and replicate that because something's going to, something's going to have to give. And it's either going to be 
spending time with good meals with your family. It's going to be your social life. It's going, there's so much that can influence that when people aren't understanding enough that that's a job for some people. It is their entire world and people shouldn't feel bad and compare themselves to that if they have a yeah. family and kids and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just next level, next level. Yeah. And a lot of them are on drugs. <laughs> Very true. Just saying <laughs> a lot true. of them are enhanced. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a whole nother can of worms. And you just don't know. I mean, there's some, some telltale signs for some people, but you just don't know. So yeah. Just a word of caution about the whole comparison thing, just in general. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're never going to look like anybody else. Like you should aim to look like you. And yes. that, again, I'm a pole fitness instructor. And with pole, you get people of all body types, shapes, sizes, colors. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll hear people say, well, I want to be able to do that. I want to look like that when I'm doing this spin. And it's like, you want to look like you doing it because mm-hmm. everybody, everybody is different and learning how, you know, and that's something I think hypertrophy can really help with figuring out what your body looks like with muscle, figuring yeah. out, yeah. you know, how you feel when you're more muscular. I mean, I think it is like the most amazing thing looking at more women in the gym getting fucking jacked. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, or a woman doing like a, you know, doing a barbell back squat with a couple plates on each side. Like it's, it's really, it can be empowering if you trust the process. It doesn't have to be like a competitor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. I think some people think the natural jump is like lifestyle stuff. Well, okay, now I have to compete and you don't. Yeah, no, you don't. No, not at all. You don't have to get to that level. There is that balance where you can actually have a life and reach your aesthetic goals. So mm-hmm. how do you think people can find that? And I have some theories, but I saw this question a while ago. It's like, how do you actually know you have that balance? I mean, I think just in, in your inner peace, like, are you happy with your life? Are you always trying to look like somebody else or do something else? Then maybe you're not. I think just finding your true happiness, what is making you happy day to day? I mean, that that would be what I would think. I love that. I agree. How do you feel when you're doing this stuff? Yeah. Are you trying to catch up to some standard that maybe isn't even yours or look like somebody else or try to prove your worth by something? or, Or are you really just good with what you're doing and while having goals? Right. You know, being good where you are and having goals are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Having your own goals. Are are you really training this way because it's what you want or it's what you think you should be doing because so-and-so is or just, yeah, finding what makes you inside happy. And for me, I love training. I love training. So like five days a week, I train for the most part and I love it. It's just like my time. It's sort of like you know, my meditation, my, my own, everything I'm just in my head. It's, it's powerful. I feel confident and it's just everything. So that's why I do it. But I mean, yes, when I started, it was probably like aesthetics was like my goal in the beginning, but now it's just like the feeling of, I just, I can't imagine life without it really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And there's something to say for walking into a gym and completing a really challenging workout 
Mm-hmm. And having that sense of accomplishment when you walk out mm-hmm. the door, like being able to say, I went in and I gave it my all today and I feel damn good. And that translates to your life. Like that yes. translates to your life. It goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yes. I think confidence is huge. Yes. Huge. Makes you so confident. You can do anything if you can do this in the gym. It's like, yes, you're right. Just transfers over to everything in life. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And and it really is a confidence booster. You really become more like sure of yourself. Yeah. You're overcoming obstacles in the gym. You're overcoming failure, like muscle failure. Yep. You know, you're mm-hmm. overcoming. Sometimes it's just a day where you don't fucking feel like going and you go in and you crush your workout and it's like, yes. oh, I, I can do hard shit. That's right. <laughs> yes. No, that's so great. That's that's the best when it's like it's everything to get there and you're just like not motivated you know, you're just like, uh, but you do it and it's like, it's awesome workout. And you just, yeah, there's nothing like that feeling like, fuck yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that can be said for anything that's hard, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like a light switch goes off and you feel confident and you do all the stuff. It's you practice and you get better at it and you do the stuff even when you don't feel like it. And you mess up and then you adjust and then you do it again. And then that confidence comes. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm thinking about like nutrition. People say, well, I just can't stay consistent. I just can't. I can't eat all that. I can't, you know, <sighs> you could though. You can. Yes. <laughs> there are ways to make it easier for you to be consistent. And then when you get that ball rolling, even when you don't feel like it, and then you have this light bulb moment of like, I can do that. Yes. It was hard. I didn't want to. I did it anyway. Let's fucking go. Oh, yeah. Love that. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Kelly. I love talking this stuff. I know Brooke does, too. Oh, yeah. I get (laughs) (laughs) ready. Same. Thank you guys for having me. It was awesome. Ah, Anytime. And for everybody else, thank you for joining us and have a great rest of the day. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at GetYouABrooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice.